Hello, Masters in the Making. I'm your host, Mike Miller, and I want to welcome you to Simple Self Mastery. Simple Self Mastery is a self-help podcast dedicated to giving you the best in health, wealth, love, happiness, and a little peace of mind five days a week. I'm excited and honored to introduce our guest today, Alan Stein Jr. Alan Stein Jr. improves organizational performance, cohesion, and accountability through captivating keynotes, interactive workshops, and personalized coaching. Alan, I've given our listeners a peek at who you are, but is there anything you want to add to spice up that intro? No, that was perfect. I might hire you and take you on the road with me so you can be my permanent uh, intro guy for every <laughs> talk I give. You nailed that. That was awesome. Thank you. I would love it. Absolutely. I'm super excited to have you on today. And so, Alan, the first question I want to ask you, you know, where focus goes, energy flows. For you, where is your energy going right now? Wow, I love that. I believe that's a Tony Robbins-ism, and I'm oh, a huge you know it. Tony fan. So that's uh, very well played coming out of the gate strong. Uh, Absolutely. You know, I, I, I look at my life in a very holistic view. Uh, I don't try to separate um, my personal life and work. Uh, and I know that a lot of people have that mindset and that construct of work-life balance where those two things are separated. Uh, I try to look at my life, again, in a very holistic way. Uh, so first and foremost, I'm an amicably divorced father of three children. I have twin sons that are eight years old and a daughter that will be uh, six this June. And that's where a good portion of my focus and energy flows is to being a present father and, and making sure uh, that I'm doing everything I can to equip them with the love and the support and the accountability and the skills to grow up to be contributing human beings on this earth. Um, then on the work side, which I have an equal amount of uh, you know attention, focus, and flow, is on serving others. Um, I, I really, you know, I believe that's my mission and that's my purpose is to serve others. And right now, uh, I serve them through as you mentioned in the in the intro, giving them tools to improve their performance uh, on an organizational level, how they can improve their cohesion, how they can improve culture, leadership, impact, influence. Because I believe when you take all of those attributes and even add in happiness and fulfillment and you wrap them into one bundle, you have what's called significance. And ultimately, I think that's what we're all trying to do uh, is improve our significance in every area of our life. So that's really uh, where all of my attention and energy flows. Absolutely. I love it. And I'm sure you get your hands full with all of that fun stuff. And so, you know, for you, when, when someone asks you to come in and, and do some work with them, where do you start? Because significance, cohesion, leadership, it's, it's such a huge topic. I mean, where do you kind of, how do you narrow it down and get specific with them? Well, you just nailed it there with the word specific. I mean, I have some fundamental principles and beliefs um, that I share with most groups. I mean, that's kind of the, the pillars uh, of my belief system. <clears throat> Excuse me. But most importantly is I don't want to be cookie cutter. I want to make sure that I'm customizing and individualizing everything that I can. So the first, it's all about finding out what the client needs. I mean, what are their pain points? What are they struggling with? Is it, you know, is it employee engagement? Is it um, internal leadership? Is it lack of cohesion? You know, has their co culture started to erode? Uh, I really want to find out what it is that they need. Um, and then certainly I want to be able to add my expertise to that because, you know, all of us, we we don't always know what we don't know. And that that can be an issue. So they might think that their issue is this. Uh, but when I peel back a few layers, I realize that it's something else. Uh, but it's very much a dance and we're both involved. And ultimately, the goal is whether I'm going to consult with them, whether I'm going to come in to give a talk or lead a workshop, um, that I'm doing what it is that they need. It's all about serving them. Sure. Nothing in this business is about me. 
It's about them and what can I do to serve them uh, and help them, you know, raise in these different areas. I love it. It's all about, and like you just said, providing that value to uh, to the person in need. And so for people listening who are kind of unaware of their own struggles and want to peel back their own layers and find out what they need help with, you know, what's one thing they can do to kind of discover that? Well, there's something called a performance gap, and we all have them, and we have them in different areas in our life. And that's basically the gap between what we know and what we do. And again, every single one of us has them and you can do this kind of self-reflective audit in any area of your life. Um, the easiest way to illustrate, let's just use health and fitness as an example. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, if I asked your listeners right now to write down the healthiest foods that they know of, they could generate a pretty good list. If I asked your listeners, how much sleep are you supposed to get every night? They'd come back with a number in a split second. And if I told them to etch out What's a weekly fitness routine or workout routine, what it should look like? Uh, they don't need to be able to submit it to men's or women's health, but just kind of etch out how many days sure. a week, how long for each session should a, a workout program be. They would be able to do that. And then the next question is, well, are you doing those three things? Are you eating the foods you know you're supposed to eat? Are you getting the sleep that you know you're supposed to get? And are you doing the workouts that you know you're supposed to do? And it's a binary question. So the answer is either yes or no. And if their answer is no, that simply means there's a gap between what they know they're supposed to do and what they're currently doing. And we need to put in proven strategies and tools and concepts to help them narrow that gap. You know, it's 2018. Lack of knowledge is very rarely the problem for any of us because sure. anything that we don't know, we can find out in two to three seconds, you know, on our laptops or on our phones. So it's not lack of knowledge where we get stuck, we get frustrated and we get hung up. It's in the lack of doing, and we've got to figure out ways to close those gaps. And, you know, and if someone listening goes, wow, I don't eat the foods I'm supposed to eat and I, I don't get the sleep I'm supposed to get and I don't work out, I don't say that to call them out or to make them feel bad. I just say that so they can shine the light of personal accountability on themselves and go, hey, I know what I'm supposed to do, but for some reason I'm not doing it. And we need to be able to break through that. And, you know, we used health and fitness as an example. We could do this for leadership. We could do this for finances. You could do this for relationships. You know, if somebody's marriage is struggling, you know, it's probably not because they don't know what to do to have a thriving marriage. It's because they're not doing it. And uh, there's a few tools that we can put in place and some, some strategies and some easy action items uh, that we can get people to close those gaps. But I mean, that's the first step to raising performance in any area is closing that gap. And I find that performance is directly related to everything else that we're trying to achieve. I mean, performance is related right. to our leadership and our influence and impact. It's it's related to, you know, our value if we work for an organization. It's it's uh, you know, it's related to everything. It always comes down to performance. When you raise performance, you raise every aspect of your life. I love it. Masters in the making listening. When you raise performance, you raise every aspect of your life, as Alan is saying. It's all about bridging those gaps in our own performance. And so for you, Alan, on your journey, you know, when did you discover that you had the ability to coach? When, when did that take us to that moment of discovery for you um, when you when you realized that this is what you wanted to do? Yeah, it was the seed was planted at a very early age. I mean, I've I've been in basketball my whole life and and I can remember, you know, uh, the, the highly influential and impactful coaches that I've had. And I just remember thinking, even at a young age, you know, wow, how this person made me feel, how they, they loved me, they pushed me, they supported me, they challenged me, they held me accountable. They poured into me so that I could be the best I could be. 
man, that would be a really cool feeling if I could do that for someone else. So I've known that I've wanted to be a coach most of my life. Um, but, but what type of coaching has taken several different pivots? I mean, initially I wanted to be a basketball coach and then that morphed into being a basketball performance coach, which is uh, basically a strength and conditioning and fitness coach, um, working with players. And then that slightly pivoted to, I actually had a strong interest in teaching other coaches how to train their players. So it was kind of a train the trainer model. And then my recent iteration, which was, you know, it's about a year and a half old now is coaching in the corporate sector, but mm-hmm. coaching what I know and staying in my lane, uh, you know, which is leadership, is cohesion, is accountability, is culture, is is improving performance. So I make sure not to veer out of, of my strong suits and, and make sure that when I'm in the corporate setting that I'm teaching exactly what I know. Because I'll say with full transparency and humility, I've never had a corporate job in my entire life. So I'm not going to pretend that I've worked for IBM for 20 years because sure. I haven't but I have full confidence that I can go into IBM and I can translate and take the lessons that I've learned from the best basketball players and coaches on the planet. And I can show them how to use those strategies to improve what they're doing at IBM. Awesome. And so, you know, on that path of discovery, as you go to all these different places, inevitably you run into a lot of success, but you also run into a lot of challenges and a lot of failures. And for you, what was the one biggest challenge you faced on your journey? Mm. You know, it's interesting. I, I'm very thankful that I've, I've built up some resilience and some grit where, you know, I don't really view these daily failures and setbacks and adversities. They kind of just bounce off. And I don't mean to say that, uh, you know, uh, like I'm some Superman because I'm not. I have emotions just like everyone else and, sure. and I can get disappointed and I can get frustrated. Uh, but I learned pretty quickly um, that I can still use that as feedback, whatever the adversity or failure might be. And I have the choice on whether I'm going to use that feedback in a way that serves me and moves me forward or in a way that cripples me and moves me back. And uh, so I'll allow myself a very short window to maybe be disappointed that something didn't work out. Uh, But then I quickly move on and I pull the the life lessons from it and use that in a way to serve me because I'm I'm really big on living in the present moment. Uh, I believe we need to learn from the past but we can't live there. So if I'm holding an event and I wanted to sell 50 tickets to it and only five people sign up, yes, I'm disappointed. But then I look at the the bright side and the bright side is, wow, there's a huge lesson to be learned from this. Something in my plan and my strategy or my execution clearly did not work. And I'm going to figure out what that is. It's almost like problem solving. I'm going to be a detective and figure out where did I go wrong? I thought I had something that I thought 50 people would want to attend only five want to attend. That's a big gap. Let me see if I can close that gap. And I actually enjoy that process and that journey and the problem solving of figuring it out. And then once I figured it out, now I'm better off the next time. So right. when I'm going to do something similar, you know, I've learned from it. So uh, I, I've come to learn that that failure, rejection, disappointment, adversity, it's all just part of the process. And, and I try not to get too swept up in it. Uh, but along those same lines, I also don't get too high off of any successes. I make sure that successes don't lead to arrogance or complacency. You know, if sure. if I'm on stage and I give a talk and I walk off stage and go, man, that was one of the best talks I've ever done. That was great. I enjoy the moment. I feel proud of myself for delivering something and serving others. But then that actually motivates me to want to stay at that level. So I'm right back to the to the lab to make sure that I'm continuing to hone those skills. So uh, I think in in living in that kind of even playing field, not getting too high and not getting too low. Uh, certainly helps. Oh, I love that. And masters in the making, listening, pl- being on a 
even playing fields. I love that you mentioned that because it's so important for us to kind of stay in one place, not get too high, not to get too low, and kind of asking ourselves empowering questions versus disempowering questions and seeing everything as feedback. I love that you mentioned that. And so, you know, I wanted to dig a little deeper into what you had mentioned uh, about the performance gaps. And, you know, when you find these gaps, and for those listening who are, are now able, thanks to what you've said, to find those gaps in their own lives, what's the next step? Like, what do you do from there once you identify the problem? Well, there's actually, there's a three-step process. And this, I'm glad that you brought this up and very much appreciate it. This is kind of the core of of the workshops and the coaching that I do. Um, <clears throat> the first thing they need to do, uh, I just go, and I don't remember where I originally got this exercise from, but it's just called start or stop. And let's just say for the sake of the argument that you established that your performance gap is in health and fitness, that you just acknowledged, which takes humility, takes self-awareness. Uh, you just acknowledge that you're not eating the food you're supposed to eat. You're not sleeping as much as you're supposed to sleep and you're not working out. So the first part is just having the awareness of, of knowing what the issue is. Next, you really need to dive deep and, and feel some emotion on the impact of that. You know, so if I were to say, ask you, what is the impact of you not eating healthy foods and not working out? Well, on a short term, uh, you probably have lower energy. You're probably not performing at the level that you're capable of because you're not well fueled and you're not well rested. Well, that's on the short term. And that may or may not be enough of a reason for you to feel compelled to make a change to your life. But if we look long term, if I told you that I could prove to you that you eating poorly, not sleeping and not working out is actually shaving years off of your life, you are lowering your longevity. So if you plan on you know, having kids and having grandkids, you are shortening your time with the people that you love because you're choosing not to do these things. Now we're starting to get into something that's really, really emotional and really impactful. And that might be enough to kind of convince you to change. Uh, and then the third pillar, once you have that understanding, now you need to recondition. You actually need to change behaviors because clearly if you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep getting what you've been getting. So if you want to change what you've been getting, you have to change what you've been doing. Uh, and and the, the way we go that is what I started with before is an exercise called start and stop. What I would ask you to do is really sit down and reflect and come up with one thing that you need to start doing, just one, that would help you close that gap. And then I also want you to think of one thing that you need to stop doing because it's preventing you uh, from closing that gap. Um, and let's, you know, uh, let's say for the sake of argument, you say what you're going to start doing, you know, is going to the grocery store every Sunday night and buying fresh groceries for the week. That's your start. Okay. Uh, and then you say, you know what, um, I've been playing video games until two in the morning and I love these games. Call of Duty's awesome. However, that's really digging into my sleep. So I'm going to stop playing video games, let's say during the week. So now you have your start and your stop. But now I only want you to pick one of those two, whichever one you feel would be most impactful to you closing this gap. Uh, and the reason being, as human beings, we're not wired to take on a lot of change at once. Well, we're designed to have a very singular focus. Uh, there's a gentleman named John Berardi uh, who has a company called Precision Nutrition. And he did a really expansive study and found that when people try to change one behavior or one habit, they have an 85% chance of making that habit come true uh, with some commitment. But the moment they split that into two, they try and change two behaviors or two habits, it drops down to 35 or 40%. That's wow. less than half of what it originally was. Yeah. And if they try and be really ambitious, which a lot of us are, we're driven type A type people, it drops down to four or 5%. 
which is obviously extremely low return. So we want to have one thing that we're going to focus on. So that's step one is either to start something or stop something. And it's just going to be one. And the hard part is, and this is why I think New Year's resolutions don't work. You heard me made it plural is because people try to change five or six things. Mm. They say, okay, Ryan Seacrest just counted down from 10. It's a new year. I'm going to change these six things. And 2018 is going to be the best year of my life. And then by statistically, by the end of February, most of those people are not doing most of those things. And I think that's why it's because they're trying to chase too many uh, things at once. It's that old adage. If you chase two rabbits, both will get away. Uh, so you need to just have one thing and that takes discipline and that is really challenging to do because especially if you identify five or six things in your life that you need to button up and you know your performance will improve, it's hard not to go after all five at once because you're aware of them, but you have to have the discipline to just pick the one. Uh, and if you can do that, uh, the most recent research that I've read says that it takes approximately 66 days to form a lasting habit or to change behavior clearly there's going to be a plus or minus on that because not all habits are created equal. Sure. Um, but I like that number just to have a goal. So step one is either pick something to start or pick something to stop. Step two is be relentlessly committed to doing that starting or stopping for 66 days. That's just a hair over two months. That's very, very, very doable. And then the step three to the process is we have to find ways to keep the spotlight of accountability on us at all times. Uh, because as human beings, when the spotlight is off, we go back to what's easy. We go back to what's comfortable. We go back to what's familiar. We go back to our old behaviors. So if you and the others that, that care about you the most are not holding you accountable to going grocery shopping every Sunday or to turning off you know, uh, the, the Xbox at night, then you're probably going to fall back to that behavior. And that, that's not, that has nothing to do with you personally. That's just the way we're wired as human beings. So it's in our best interest to find systems to hold that light of accountability on us. And I think the best way to do that is to tell our inner circle, the people that love us and care about us and support us and push us, ask them to hold us accountable. Tell everyone that you know cares about you, hey, every Sunday night I'm going to the grocery store to buy fresh groceries and I want you to ask me about that. Do you mind texting me you know, Sunday night at eight o'clock and asking if I went? Hey, do you mind when, when I see you Monday morning asking me what I bought for groceries. I want you to hold me accountable uh, because then you're much more likely to do it. Sure. You know, one of the emotions that unites all of us as human beings, we don't like disappointing people. I mean, that's just, we don't like letting others down. And if, if you've told five or six people that you're going to be grocery shopping Sunday night and you have to look each one of them in the eye and tell them you went back on your word and you did not do what you said you're going to do, that is extremely powerful. That will help use peer pressure in a very positive way to get you to do what you're supposed to do. So uh, once you have an awareness, an understanding of the impact, and you start reconditioning, then you move into the three-step phase of either starting or stopping, being committed for 66 days, and keeping the spotlight of accountability on you. And odds are in your favor, you will change that one behavior. And then the good news is, at the end of 66 days approximately, now that has become a habit. That's become part of your life. Now you just know every Sunday night you're going to buy groceries. That's just what you do. Now you can start tackling the next thing. So now you go to the number two item that you wanted to change, and it's this continuous process. Because as human beings, we're never done. We, we've never arrived. We're never there. This is all about the journey. There's, there is no 
finish line. So we should all be constant works in progress. We should all be constantly iterating and growing and developing. So, you know, for the rest of our lives, we're going to have something that we need to improve to close these performance gaps. And I found that this system uh, is extremely effective. Um, but the last thing I'll say on that, what I just laid out is very basic in premise. And I know that I said it in a very a matter of fact tone, but it's not easy. Uh, I hope no one listening thinks that I think that this is easy. Changing behavior and changing habits is really challenging. Um, you know, go, if you haven't been going to the grocery store every Sunday night to buy healthy groceries, it is not going to be easy, but it is very basic in premise and it is doable and it's more doable if you follow these steps. Right. And I, I love it. I mean, the, the value is is great. And it's so what you're saying is that constant discipline is what will help push you to make those changes because it's it's such a, a vast change to make. But one that will be so successful in the end. Um, and it's all part of just the journey. So I love that you bring that up, Alan. And so I think a big theme of our discussion here today has been focus, you know, and the acronym for focus is focus on one course until success. And I love that. That's one thought that came into my mind as you were as you were speaking. And so right now we're, we're approaching home plate and I want to shift our focus just a little bit. Are you ready for the moment of mastery where you can share tips, resources and insights directly to our listeners? Yes, sir. Let's do it. So for you, what is one simple mind shift, shift, I should say, that our listeners can apply to how they think about performance? Do everything that you can to live into the present moment. Live present. Try not to get too distracted by the past and try not to get too anxious about the future. Uh, try and stay in the present moment because the only way you can maximize your performance in any area of your life is if you're fully present. And once again, I will say at 42 years old with 42 years of life experience, Staying and being in the present moment is one of my biggest challenges, but I'm thankful now that I have the awareness to know uh, when I'm not present, when I'm thinking or distracted or anxious about something else, and I can get myself back to center uh, very quickly. And the, the easiest way to describe living present is be where your feet are. Wherever your feet are, that's where your head and your heart should be also. So if you're with your kids, be with your kids. Don't be staring at your phone or worried about something else. Uh, the time will come where you can focus on those things. And there is a time and a place for all of it. But but let's try to live in the present moment. Right. And what is one simple action our listeners can take right now, wherever they are, to jumpstart their own personal success and performance? They need to have some type of trigger. They need something that reminds them um, that they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, for me, I've always made the analogy um, that our lives are like an hourglass. And the moment we were born, uh, an hourglass got flipped over and that sand started falling. And the reason that's important is that hourglass is very analogous to our lives. Uh, one, we don't know how much sand is at the top. Not one of us knows how long we're going to be on this earth. Uh, I mean, statistically, the average life expectancy for males in the United States is around 79 years old. So at 42, I'm just starting the second half. Uh, but I also know that that's not guaranteed. Tomorrow is not promised for any of us. Uh, number two, once that sand starts falling, you can't stop it. You can't pause time. You can't freeze time. I mean, my, my daughter's five years old. I mean, I think every father thinks this, but I mean, she's adorable. She's as cute as a button. Part of me wishes I could freeze her so that she'd be five for the rest of her life, but I can't do that. I mean, she's gonna continue to grow older and, and mature. Uh, and then lastly, and this one's really important, once that sand hits the bottom, it's gone forever. We can't do anything about it. You cannot get time back. Yesterday's newspaper has already been printed. So that hourglass is a trigger for me. I keep 
beautiful little plastic hourglass is sitting right here on my desk in front of me. Uh, and anytime I'm working and I glance at that thing, it reminds me to be involved in the present moment. And that's just a simple trigger that always gets me back to center. Awesome. And so for you now, what is the best piece of advice you personally have ever received? Find what you love to do. Find what you're really good at. And then find where those two things intersect. And mm -hmm. that's where you should spend a good portion of your time. That's that's going to be your purpose. And for me, as we talked about at the very beginning of this call, uh, that's kind of coaching. You know, relating to and connecting with and, and encouraging and inspiring and pushing and holding others accountable uh, is something that I love to do. And and thankfully, uh, I, I'm, I'm blessed with some, some skill sets that lend to that. So I've always been fairly good at influencing other people, even as a, a young child. Um, so being in the coaching world, that's where those two inter things intersect for me. And that's where I've chosen to spend most of my time and focus. And, and the beautiful part with that is, you know, as a father, that's still like being a coach. I still right. I need to be able to influence and impact my children. And that is something that's important to me. So it's it's not just saying that my sole purpose was to be a basketball coach. No, my sole purpose is to serve others, to pour into them and help them improve what's important to them. And that helps me as a father, that helps me as an ex-husband, that helps me as a, a basketball performance coach, that helps me as a, a corporate consultant and speaker. So, so to me, that's the best advice um, that I've received and that I could share with your listeners. Awesome. And what is one book you can recommend and why? Oh, wow. Uh, man, there's a, <laughs> a pretty long list. Um, I'm a diehard Duke basketball and Coach K fan. Uh, so there's a book called Leading with the Heart, I mean, it's the book's a little older now. It's probably 15 years old, um, but it's one of the best books I've ever read. And of course, I'm biased uh, on <laughs> on being able to lead with authenticity, being able to, uh, you know, collectively get people to buy into a vision, be able to improve your impact and your influence. Uh, so, yeah, I would say leading with the heart by Coach K. Leading with the heart. And finally, Alan, where is the best place our listeners can go to learn more about you and what you do? My website is alansteinjr.com, and that's A-L-A-N-S-T-E-I-N-J-R.com. Um, and, and I'll say that I, I just launched an online coaching and accountability program, which you can find on the website. It's under the coaching tab. And it's really a way for me to digitally put into practice everything that we just spoke about. It's a way for me to help uh, reinforce the stuff I talk about during my talks and workshops, but most importantly, to be a third-party, unbiased accountability manager for someone that's looking to change. You know, so if if you signed up for the program and said, Alan, my biggest performance gap is in my health and fitness, I need to start grocery shopping on Sunday nights, now you've got somebody uh, that is going to help hold you accountable, is going to help put this blueprint in place for you, but is going to hold you accountable. And I found that as valuable as your inner circle is, uh, it's also nice to have some accountability partners and managers that you don't really know on a personal level um, because then they're going to be completely unbiased. I mean, you and I are just now getting acquainted as friends and as colleagues. Right. So I have no reason not to tell you the truth. I have no reason not to hold your butt to the fire to get it done. Whereas if you had a spouse or somebody you were close with and they're afraid that holding you accountable might put some friction in the relationship, you know, there's always going to be a little bit of bias there. So that was the reason I created this program uh, was to provide some content, but more importantly, a guide an accountability system for people to do what they know they're supposed to do. And we can find that all over at allensteinjr.com. 
Awesome. Thank you, Alan. Masters in the making. Go check out Alan's website. And also check out simpleselfmastery.com. Type in Alan in the search. It'll shoot you over to the show notes page of today's podcast for links, resources, timestamps, an overview of what Alan and I discussed today. Alan, I want to thank you for sharing your journey with all of us here at Simple Self Mastery. You mastered the mic and shared a ton of value. Thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Masters in the making. If you enjoyed today's episode of Simple Self Mastery, please head on over to iTunes, type Simple Self Mastery in the search, and leave a five-star rating and review. It is my mission to provide you with high-value, free content five days a week, and I would be honored by your support. Keep learning, keep listening, and keep working towards your own personal self-mastery. We'll see you next time.